And then if we have time, there's one other thing that I wanted to mention about, um, uh, about those meetings there. So, but in Psalm 1, this is kind of the scriptures that the Lord had given Brother Randy for, uh, for, this, uh, for this year, uh, the first three verses. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth sell shall prosper. Uh, and so uh, the verses 1 and 2 uh, are the things that we're responsible to do, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, you know, you have to find the right balance in that because when it talks about not getting the counsel of the ungodly, uh, you know, you have to go to bankers and you have to go to talk to certain people sometimes about things. And uh, so it's not that you never listen to anybody, that anybody any, anything anybody in the world says, but you have to make sure that whatever they say lines up with the word of God. Uh, and so, uh, you know, if you go in the corporate world, much of the training that you go through in the corporate world about ethics and different things, they're just biblical principles, right? Uh, they call them the servant leaders. Well, that sounds really fancy, but it just uh, Jesus called it being a servant a long time ago. Amen. Uh, and so uh, make sure that whatever counsel you get, it lines up with the word of God. Um, and, you know, a lot of people want to follow. Uh, I've seen in the church where they want to follow people that are wealthy. Uh, but if you find out how they got their wealth, you know, you really couldn't follow that plan. Right. Uh, they're crooked and they lie and they cheat and steal and do things that are shady and or they. Uh, their work becomes their God, you know, whatever the thing is, you know, you, you couldn't and you shouldn't follow that. Uh, but if they say, you know, you should be generous. Well, that's a biblical principle, right? And we, we get the specifics in that and in, in the word of God about how to do that. So, uh, but he says, uh, if you'll do that, then the result of that, uh, and especially verse two, where it says his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, do you, do you delight in the law of the Lord? Do you prize highly the word of God? Uh, and, you know, we should as a church, right? Uh, but, you know, a lot of times in the church, there's a, there's a constant conflict in people's lives. There's a tension between doing what the Word says and doing uh, what, uh, uh, what their flesh wants to do. Uh, and uh, if you can get to the point of, of complete and total surrender to the Word of God and to His Spirit, it's really easy. But if, there, if you allow that conflict to be there where, you know, you're not sure if you want to do the word of God, then that pressure rises up. You know, a lot of people are under pressure. And the reason they're under pressure is because their flesh wants to do one thing and their spirit wants to follow the word of God and they don't want to make a decision. Uh, and, uh, you know, they'll get under pressure because of that. Uh, and, and a lot of times they'll pick one horse or the other. Sometimes they pick the right one and go with the word of God. No pressure if you just decide always to follow the will of God. But sometimes they pick the, the life of the flesh. Uh, and the, uh, if they get their conscience seared, they won't feel that conviction of the word to follow the word. And they'll think they're un, uh, under pressure anymore. But they still are under pressure. Amen. Uh, they just, uh, they've seared their conscience. So uh, really the, the ideal situation for the child of God is to delight in the law of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and, be, and, and when the word of God shows that there's a conflict between what the word says and what your life is doing, it should be an easy transition. Well, yes, sir, I, uh, uh, I will change that immediately. Amen. I'd be glad to change that. Because there's a promise in there that the fruit of that, uh, of uh, delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating day and night in the law of, of the Lord, 
that you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in its season. So a tree is unmovable, right? Uh, and um, uh, bringeth forth fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, uh, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. So don't you want everything that you do prosper? Well, that's only true if everything you do is the fruit of, of verses 1 and 2, right? If you're delighting in the law of God. Uh, if you're uh, out there stealing things and embezzling money, well, the Lord, you know, that's not prosperity, right? And so, um, it's, you know, gain is not the measure of prosperity, right? Uh, doing it according to the word of God is the correct measure, amen? Uh, and so that's, that's kind of the scripture for the, uh, for the year that the Lord had given to Brother Randy. And so I'd encourage you, you know, to, to do that. Uh, to meditate on those three verses there. And uh, one of the things that the Lord was uh, just kind of talking to me about um, in Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter 3, um, this verse says that uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So uh, if all Scripture is inspired by God, then... Um, that's kind of what it means, right? All scriptures. So is there any scripture not inspired by God? No, no, there's no scripture that's not inspired by God. So there, and I've heard this many times over the years, but uh, if you look at what Jesus taught in the Gospels and what Paul taught, you know, primarily in epistles or some of the other apostles taught in epistles, sometimes people think there's a conflict between those two. You know, if you like, if you look at the, the uh, subject of marriage and divorce, it looks like Jesus is in conflict with Paul. Well, they're not. You know, if you study it uh, well, they're not in conflict at all. But some people think that they are. And so they'll say something, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. As if Paul was wrong, right? So if Paul is wrong, then all Scripture is not inspired by God, right? Because if it's inspired by God, who actually did the inspiration? You know, if you, if you follow the Word of God, then, uh, you know, the, they are inspired by the Holy Ghost to write these things. But the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, doesn't say anything of himself. He says only those things which he hears. So who is he hearing things from? Who is telling the Holy Spirit what to tell the people that wrote their scriptures what to write? That'd be Jesus, right? The head of the church, because he, because uh, uh, in the hierarchy of heaven, he's over the whole church, right? And this, and the uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is inspiring the individuals, and so, uh, so it's really Jesus was the one who inspired Paul to write these words. So how would Jesus be in conflict with Jesus? Uh, but there, there's even some things going around in the church now today that in the area of, of uh, prosperity, for example, that what Jesus said about prosperity and what Paul said about prosperity is in conflict. So therefore, we should follow Jesus. Well, is there any conflict between what Paul said and what Jesus said? No conflict, right? If it's all inspired by God, it's all inspired by God. So be careful when you hear people say that what Paul said is in conflict with Jesus and therefore follow Jesus because that sounds good, right? Well, follow Jesus. Well, of course, you follow Jesus. But if you're following Paul, you're still following Jesus because Paul wrote it by the Spirit of God. Amen. So just be careful that I mean, that's going on around in the church today. And I've heard that, you know, I mean, it'll come back around again with some other doctrine. You know, somebody else will find something they believe is conflict between Paul and Jesus. Uh, there's no conflict with Paul and Jesus. You may have to study a little bit more to find out how to resolve those things, and sometimes it does take some studying to find those things out, but they're there to be found out, amen? Uh, it's easy to say they're in conflict and just ignore what Paul said and go with Jesus, but that's kind of poor Bible study. It's being a poor student of the Word, amen? Uh, and so uh, I just uh, had heard about some of those things this week uh, at the conference there with Brother Randy, and um, 
uh, uh, and the thing is, what if it's somebody really, really important that says that? What if it's somebody that's got a really big ministry that says something like that? Did you follow them? No, the, 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 the general attitude that you should always have is it doesn't really matter who says it. You have to confirm it from the word of God. And so if they say that, then what they're saying is that this verse here in 2 Timothy 3.16 is not true. Right. Well, then that can't be so. So uh, you, you just be careful. Amen. Uh, and, you know, I, I've always followed Brother Hagin's ministry, but I don't believe something that Brother Hagin says just because Brother Hagin said it. I believe it because I confirm it with what the word says. And if the word says it and then Brother Hagin says it, well, then that's easy, right? Easy to accept. Uh, but when somebody says that Paul is in conflict with Jesus in the area of doctrine, immediately, you know, a verse like this rises up in my heart. Well, that can't be so. So there must be something more to that doctrine. Amen. Uh, and so just be just be careful about that. Amen. And um, uh, I think that's uh, uh, all the announcements we had there. Right. So uh, why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship. He's among us, Father. You said that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Father, you said that times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you that we're refreshed. We thank you that your spirit is among us. Father, we yield to him each and every day of our lives. Father, you are worthy of all praise and honor. And Father, we just declare with our faith that we will stand against this plague, Father, this epidemic and pandemic. Whether it's COVID-19, Father, or anything else, we will stand against it. Father, we will not declare that, that we will get it. We will not declare, Father, as the world declares, that you just can't do anything about it. Father, faith always has something to say about it. Faith says that it shall not come nigh my dwelling. So, Father, we believe your word. We believe your spirit, Father. We thank you for safety and protection. Father, we thank you for the value of your word in our life. Father, that there's such a great gift that you've given to us in your word, Father. Father, you said that even your word is above your name. Because your name, Father, the power of your name comes from the declaration of your word. Father, we thank you. We esteem your word highly, Father. We delight in the law of God. Father, we thank you. All praise and honor for these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good all the time, amen. And of course, that's what the song said, right? So the song said it's got to be so, right? Um, uh, he's good, and uh, if you'll just know that the Lord is good, that'll get about half your doctrine straightened up right there, right? Would a good God put sickness and disease on you? Not any good God that I know. Would he cause harm to come to your life to teach you something? Uh, not any good God that I know. Amen. Um, you know, things happen and we deal with them. The Bible says that many of the afflictions of the righteous. But it doesn't say that the, that the Lord puts the afflictions on you. But there's afflictions out there, right? You, the, you live in this world, right? It's a fallen world full of sin and disease and sickness and, and calamity and all of those things. But uh, if there are many, then what, what does the Lord do? He delivers you from how many? All of them. It wouldn't make any sense if he put them on you to begin with and he's going to deliver from you. That's, that's kind of crazy talk, right? 
That's what crazy people do. And so, um, but we're, we're um, continuing our studying on uh, how to know the will of God in your life. And um, so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Colossians 1.9. That's kind of our foundation scripture. We talked uh, some last week, of course, about this verse. But we also kind of went through the history of, of uh, uh, the church, you know, and how the church has kind of discerned the will of God and how in the Old Testament, really up until the book, uh, first chapter of the book of Acts, um, we, of course, we know Gideon was there in, in the Old Testament and he put a fleece out. Uh, do we put fleeces out today? Uh, what, what Testament do we live in today? We live in the New Testament, right? So we don't need to put a fleece out because the purpose of the fleece was to confirm that what the Lord, what the Lord had spoken to Gideon supernaturally uh, was actually what the Lord spoke to him. Uh, well, we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And the Bible said that he bears witness with our spirit. So we don't need a witness on the outside. We don't need a natural witness to confirm what the Spirit of God is. We have the witness on the inside of us. That's the whole point of the witness is, is to witness to you. Uh, of course, in the context of, of uh, the book of Romans, it's talking about being a child of God. Do you know you're saved? Do you know you're a child of God? Well, how do you know that? The witness on the inside of you bears witness with you. The Spirit of God on the inside of you bears with it that you're a child of God. You've accepted the Lord Jesus. That's what distinguishes us from the church from Every other organization in the world, we have a supernatural witness that we're children of God. Amen. You ask any uh, Buddhist or Hindu or, you know, Muslim, well, how do you know that you're in? Well, because I signed a piece of paper or I did this or I did that. They did some natural thing, right? Well, did you mean it? Well, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, well, you can know if you're a child of God. Amen. Amen. You can. Now, there are some people, even in the church, they will tell you, you know, you can't really know that you're saved until you, until you knock on the door, the pearly gates. Well, then that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you have a witness, right, that bears witness with your spirit. Amen. His witness bears uh, a witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. amen. Uh, so you should know. You should have, be able to know. Amen. Uh, and, that, so, and that's really the root of knowing the will of God is knowing the spirit of God. And that's really the, the whole root of everything, right? Uh, really in the New Testament is uh, what's your relationship with the spirit of God? Uh, and... Uh, that really, as you develop that relationship with the Spirit of God in your life and leaning on Him and listening to Him and fellowshipping with Him uh, and letting Him give you the, uh, the revelation of the Word of God and revelation for your life, uh, you know, that's what you should develop all the days of your life. Uh, and, uh, but we're talking specifically about the will of God. Uh, and uh, in other words, what's the will of God for your life today? What steps should you take today? What path should you take today? That's the will of God for your life. Now, we know that the Word of God is clear about many things, right? There are a lot of things the Word of God covers. Don't steal, right? Don't commit adultery. There's a lot of things that don't do, a lot of things that say do do, right? Go to, go, to, uh, go to church, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So a lot of things that are specifically covered in the Word of God, you don't need a word from heaven to know to do that. It's already covered, amen? Mm -hmm. The Bible says walk in love. Do, well, does the Spirit of God need to speak to you supernaturally to walk in love? No, because he's already spoken by his word to walk in love. So you don't need, that's the will of God, isn't it? Amen. Because in fact, they call them the Old Testament and the New Testament. What does the word testament mean? It means will, right? It's, in a, you know, when you, in the natural world, when you write your last will and testament, it's really kind of redundant, right? Because it's my last will, my last desires for what I want to do. And I'm testifying or I'm telling you my will. So, he's, so that's the, the whole point of the Old Testament and the New Testament is to reveal the will of God. So a lot of, a lot of your life is covered by the, by the word of God, 
If you want to know what to do, just find out what the word says. Amen. But then there are specific areas of your life that's not covered in in the word of God. Right. What job should you take? What path should you go? Should you take a left or a right? Should you go down this highway or that highway? Should you buy this or sell that? A lot of those things are not covered in the word of God. Amen. Doesn't tell you what, uh, which car to buy. Doesn't tell you which person to marry. Uh, there, there's some, now in the area of marriage, there's some, some general guidelines, right? Should be a Christian, should be somebody of the opposite sex, right? Some, some minimum guidelines. But besides that, any specifics other than that? Uh, you know, some people say you should marry someone of the opposite, you know, a different, uh, different race or different uh, nationality or a different culture. There's nothing in the Bible that says that, right? In the Old Testament, the Jews couldn't marry anybody outside the Jewish nation. But in the New Testament, the only requirements are, are they child of God and of the opposite sex, right? <laughs> the church seems to struggle on at least one of those, right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that seems pretty clear to me, right? So do you need the word from the Lord to tell you to marry somebody, you know, maybe somebody from the, the same gender as you? No, the word of God is clear, right? There's no need to discuss it. There's no need for the spirit of God to discuss it. It's already clear, Amen. Uh, and so, but uh, after you, after they meet those couple of guidelines, there's not many, um, then should you marry that person or not? Well, the, how would you know? Um, well, I mean, you could take a, uh, get somebody's resume, you know, I mean, do you, do you have like a, a crock pot, you know, you got a car, you know, I mean, is that, is that how you're going to decide to marry somebody? Do they have certain things that you like and need? I mean, uh, uh, do you have a job? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you could ask for a resume. Uh, that's not really an effective way to find a spouse, right? Uh, and so, uh, so how do we know? Well, that's why we're here in Colossians 1.9. So uh, the, a lot of people in the church say, well, you, can't, you just never know what God's going to do, right? You never know the will of God. You can never know the will of God. Is that what the Word says? What's the Word say? So let's find out what the Word says, right? It says in verse uh, 9, Colossians 1.9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And some translations will say spiritual wisdom and understanding. So whether it's uh, wisdom or understanding, it's spiritual, right? It comes from the realm of the spirit. It comes from the spirit of God. So he said that we can be filled with the knowledge of his will. So that means it's on the inside of us, right? Uh, uh, we'll be filled with knowledge, filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So it comes from the realm of the spirit. So we know the will of God by what our spirit tells us. Amen. Uh, and that's where uh, the church struggles sometimes because uh, in, in some people's hearts and minds, that's hard. What's easy is, is a door locked. That's easy, right? Because it's in this natural realm. We can measure it. We can touch it. We can look at it. But it's hard if it's something on the inside, right? But he says we can be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that means it has to be on the inside. So you have to learn to develop a relationship with the spirit of God. Well, for people who love the Spirit of God, that's great news. For people who are uncomfortable with that, that's not good news because, well, that doesn't mean anything to me, right? Uh, well, how do I get there? Uh, and so what we have done in the church is, uh, we, uh, you remember we talked last week, and we're not going to go through it all over again, but you remember up till the uh, Acts chapter 1, the church would discern the will of God by doing things like a lot, right? They'd, they'd draw lots, right? And they basically put everybody's name in a hat, pull it out if your name was on the, on the rock or whatever, then you're the guy. That's how they picked Matthias, right? The, the 12th apostle to replace Judas. They just pulled the name out of a hat. Well, that's not very supernatural, right? It's just, you know, hopefully the, the desire of their hearts was that the Lord would direct them to pick the right name. 
but it's still, for the most part, natural. Uh, and they can, they can pick it up, look at it, we'll see clearly it's the will of God. But that was the last time they ever did that. Every time after that, in the, in the scriptures, they were led by the Spirit of God. They were never led to, to go anywhere or do anything by a natural means, by a fleece for sure, by natural lots uh, as well. They were always led by the Spirit of God. And so if that's the plan of God, then what we need to do is learn how to dis, d- discern the will of God in our lives by the will of God, by the Spirit of God. Uh, and Colossians 1.9 tells us a promise that we can be filled with the knowledge of His will. And that word filled there means be packed full, right? Uh, you should be packed full with the yes. will of God. You should know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you're doing is exactly the will of God. Amen. You think you'll ever miss it? Well, maybe once, you know, you think you'll ever get it wrong. Well, I thought it was the will of God, you know. Now, how, how do you determine the will of God? You know, so some people will determine the will of God by uh, still natural means. Yeah. Well, if it's successful, then it was the will of God. Mm. Well, then Jesus was out of the will of God in Mark chapter 6, right? Remember, he went, he, where did he go in Mark chapter 6? He went to his own hometown, right? Uh, did he have a successful big healing uh, meeting there? No, he said he could there do what? No mighty works. So then Jesus was out of the will of God. I mean, obviously, right? Because, I mean, if you'd had success, then you'd have been in the will of God. If you failed and weren't able to get anybody healed of any significant uh, healings, then it was kind of a a failed meeting. So Jesus was clearly out of the will of God. Was Jesus out of the will of God? He wasn't out of the will of God. So so we we don't measure being in the will of God by natural means. We don't determine... You know, was it successful? You ever, you ever gone to somebody and talked to them? Uh, and the Lord directed you to go, hey, go talk to so-and-so. And it doesn't go good. And, and you think, well, I must have missed God. That, that's not got anything to do with anything. Did God send you there? Well, then Jesus was sent to Nazareth. To Nazareth and so uh, he wasn't successful. But he was successful because he did the will of God. Amen. I can't tell you how many times that, that I've talked to people. In, in, in fact, uh, uh, one time, uh, many years ago, I was just praying, and, and the Lord said, uh, go talk to a pastor. This is before I was a pastor. But go talk to a pastor in another city about, uh, about ministering in his church. Uh, and so I called and set up a, a, a lunch meeting with him, you know. Uh, hey, you know, uh, just chit-chatting. And uh, uh, I was just in prayer, and the Lord uh, instruct me to call you to, about coming ministering at your church. Would it be okay if, if I come and minister at your church? Absolutely. You know, uh, when do you want to come? I said, well, I don't, you know, I didn't really expect him to, to give me that response. So I told him I'd call him. I'll call you next week and we'll set up a date. Oh, no problem. So I called him and he didn't answer the phone. Uh, and so I called him a thousand times after that and he still never answered the phone. Uh, and and um, uh, it was really odd, you know, in, in fact, uh, uh, I would happen to be in that city one time. I stopped by his church, and, and uh, the administrator came out there and said, hey, can I help you? Yeah, I was just uh, seeing if the pastor was available. Uh, what's your name? I told him my name. He, he went, came back, said, he's not available. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so I kind of gave it up, you know. Well, about a year later, I happened to see him somewhere. Hey, you know, uh, just uh, seeing if sometime I can come minister for you at your church. Oh, yeah, no problem. Here's my personal cell number. Call me anytime. I called him a thousand times. He never would answer the phone. Uh, and, and so, you know, after a while, you kind of realize, well, okay, you know, I, you know, now I don't understand that, right? If you said you want me to come, but then you don't 
want me to come, then just tell me you don't want me. I mean, it was fine, right? Because the Lord never actually said to go and get a meeting with him. The Lord said, go and ask him to minister for him, right? Uh, and so, so, you know, I'm kind of talking to the Lord about it, you know, kind of bummed out, you know. And, and uh, he said, well, you know, there's more than one person involved in this situation, which was news to me because I'm assuming that I'm the only one in the whole world, right? <laughs> Nobody else is in the world but me, right? Everything revolves around me. Uh, none of you all like that, but I'm like that, right? Because uh, everything is about, all about me. And he said, it wasn't about you. He said, he said that, that pastor has a real problem with being honest. And I sent you there to help him to give him an opportunity to put his word out and to do his word. So uh, it wasn't even about ministering at his church. It was about helping this pastor be a, a man of his word. And he's not a man of his word. And, and that's on him. That's not on me. That's on him. But the Lord sent me there to help him to, to you know, because you put your word out there, you should do whatever you say, right? In fact, the Bible says a man should swear to his own hurt and change not. Yes. Even if he, even if he uh, felt like he'd done the wrong thing to invite me, he should have still set up the time anyway to, for me to come. I mean, that's what I would have done if I'd told you you'd come minister. And I find out, you know, later that, you know, you're not really the kind of person I'd want to come here, you know, unless it's something just, you know, terrible. The Lord says, you know, you messed up, but... I mean, uh, uh, it'd, have to be, it'd have to be like, you know, pretty major thing, right? Uh, otherwise, you're coming. Amen? Uh, and so, and I don't, you know, he can look up my public records. There's no public records on me, you know, so. Uh, but the, the point of it was the Lord instructed me to go, and I did, but I wasn't successful, but I still was able to help that minister. At least I was able to add uh, something to that minister. Hopefully, he'll learn to be a, a man of his word, right? Uh, and so... Uh, you've got to be careful about uh, measuring success by natural means. You ever, you ever given any money to a poor person? They ever paid you back? Well, then it was a failure, right? Then, then you were wrong. You shouldn't have given it to them to begin with, right? Uh, you know how many people we've given money to the church that promised they'd pay us back, that didn't pay us back? All of them. None of them has ever paid us back that said, I'll pay you back. Okay, no problem. You know, no problem. You know, but you know what we're going to still do? If someone needs help and the Lord says to help them, we'll help them, right? I mean, you know, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, we're batting a thousand, right? Nobody's ever paid us back. They said they would, right? Now, some have paid some back, right? But they never paid it all back. And I, I don't know, I don't understand the mentality, right? Uh, if you say you're going to pay it back, you ought to pay it back. I mean, that's just now it's just my thinking. I mean, maybe I'm naive in that, but uh, but see, if you measure success about how many times those people paid you back, then um, um, then you're a failure. But are you a failure if you help the poor? In fact, the Bible says if you if you give to the poor, you what? Lend to the Lord. Lend to the Lord. So actually, now you're lending to Him, which means you think He'll pay you back. Oh, yeah. If you lend to the Lord, He'll pay you back, right? Uh, in fact, uh, and so so you know we had a, a deal. Next door, when we were doing the demo in that building next door, uh, there was a bunch of equipment stuff we had to get out of there. And these folks showed up, uh, and, and, you know, you could tell they could, they could use a little help financially. And, and so I was thinking, well, I'll just, you know, if they just want all this equipment and just take it to the, the, uh, the scrapyard, I'll just give it to them, right? They'd just take it and just, you know, get the money back for the scrap, and they'll do the work of getting it out of the building, and, you know, that'd be fine. But they said, hey, tell you what, we'll, we'll split the deal with you. We'll split the money with you. Whatever money we get from the scrap, we'll, we'll give you half. Now, I was going to give it to them, but, you know, they were so aggressive about it. Uh, okay, 
we'll just see, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and so they took it all, got hundreds and hundreds of dollars, right? And so, and then it disappeared. Well, I had their number, right? And I said, hey, uh, when you get a chance, just drop the check off at the church. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then nothing, right? So I called them, right? And I called them, hey, are you trying to take money away from the church? Why would you say that? Because you haven't given the money that you said you was going to give it. Now, did I need the money? I didn't need the money. You know, I'm just really giving a hard time is what I'm doing. But, uh, uh, and so uh, they said, well, you know, uh, my, my child got brain cancer and the sheriff, you know, the car exploded and, you know, the sheriff came and showed up and somebody's in jail. And I mean, it's like all of that happened in three days. Man, you must have a, love, a tough life. I mean, that, I mean, everything happened as you can imagine. It happened, right? We'll pay you back. Well, that's. Uh, I mean, it's only been like six years, so maybe they still hadn't got around to it. Uh, but see, I was going to give it to them anyway. I was just giving them an opportunity to be a man of their word, right? Actually, it was a woman at that time, but uh, be a person of their word. Uh, and so, so I was already prepared to give it to them anyway, and, and it, nothing to me because it, it helped me because I got the stuff out of there without me having to haul those hundreds and hundreds of pounds of, of uh, equipment out of the building that we didn't need. And so... Uh, that's not really got anything to do with God. But if you say you're going to pay somebody back, you ought to pay somebody back, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but see, the promise here in Colossians 1.9 is we can be filled with the knowledge of his will. So that's really the key uh, about the will of God is finding out the will of God. So, so how do you, I mean, how do you get there? Let's turn over to, to Ephesians uh, 5.17. So uh, if that's a promise that we can be filled with the knowledge of his will... Is that going to happen automatically? How do we obtain any promise of the Bible that, that's there for us? We do it by faith, right? We have to declare that this promise is true, first of all, and that we accept it and that we, that we allow the Lord to operate this way in our life, right? And so in this case, uh, in fact, my prayer, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed Colossians 1.9. Lord, you said you'd fill me with the knowledge of your will. So I'm asking you that you show me what to do in this, in this particular situation. So that's how you pray uh, the prayer of faith, right? It's really the prayer of faith that you're praying that this verse is operating in your life. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, to say that you can't even know that you're a Christian, you know, I'd, sometimes I wonder about people, right? Uh, you ever read, actually read the Bible? The funny thing is the people who say that will, will declare that their church is the most word-based church of all the churches that exist. I don't know how they know that because you'd have to actually go to all the churches to determine that, right? To measure that. Uh, and, and so, but they, but they really believe that they're the most word-based church of all the churches. And so, wow, maybe you should actually read it then every now and then, right? But, uh, but he says here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, Wherefore, be, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, uh, so now we've got an even uh, more insight of that because we should not only just know the will of God, but understand what that means for us, Right? Because if the Lord just says, go, well, what does that mean, right? Well, which way do you want me to go? You need to have some understanding of that. But, but he says, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So, so now this really is not even a, um, I mean, it is a promise, but it's really a commandment, right? It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's not a suggestion. It's just, uh, but you understand what the will of the Lord is. So, so there's not really any real wiggle room here, right? I mean, you, you should understand what the will of the Lord is. And really, you should understand what the will of the Lord is prior to you doing something. Amen. 
Uh, a lot of times people say, well, let's, if, let's, just, let's just do it, and if it works out, then it's God's will. Hmm. Well, is that how we're supposed to live as a New Testament Christian? No. He said to understand what the will of the Lord is. He said to be filled with the knowledge of his will. So that's how we should operate, amen? That's how we're supposed to operate as children of God. Uh, and so and we know just Old Testament scriptures in the Psalms says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, and good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And in Proverbs 1, 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So uh, if you're going to know the will of God, then you've got to know, obviously, the Lord, right? You've got to fear him. But in a sense of fearing him, it's not in dread. It's in a fear of honor and respecting him. So uh, the, the issue is you need to honor and respect the Lord's plan and desire for your life. That's what you need to honor and desire. Amen. And, you know, and again, I've seen in a church, there's a lot of conflict in this area in the church because a lot of times what happens in our lives is we get ambitions, right? Well, Lord, I want to be whatever. I want to be a, a, a neurosurgeon, right? A brain surgeon. That's all my life, growing up, I want to be a brain surgeon. Really, when you're three years old, yep, brain surgeon, right? <laughs> They, they open up their little doll heads, you know, and doing brain surgery on their dolls. And I mean, I guess, you know, that's a thing, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, but then the Lord may have a different plan for them. Well, I want to do what I want to do. And that's one of the, the, the most serious infractions uh, on your life with the Lord that you could ever say. I want to do what I want to do. Because first of all, you know, the Lord made you, didn't he? Didn't he? And... and I just, I just have a hard time believing that if the Lord made you who he, who he made you, that you wouldn't desire to do the things that he, that, uh, that he wants you to do, right? Uh, and so I understand sometimes there are things that you don't like to do, like go talk to that person over there. Well, Lord, I don't want to go talk to that person. Uh, but, uh, you know, so there are things like that on occasions you have to do. But in general, your plan and, and, and direction of your life would be things that the Lord made you to be. Yes. He, the talents and abilities you have, he gave them to you, didn't he? Yes. So, uh, you know, the, the will of God would line up with that. Amen. Uh, because he made you to begin with, the will of God would line up with that. And so it shouldn't be hard to, to enjoy the will of God. But there are plenty of people who don't enjoy the will of God. You ever notice that? Uh, you know, I told you when, when Chris and I were first uh, planning on start the church many years ago, we went and talked to several ministers. And maybe we picked the wrong ministers, right? Uh, uh, the pastor. But uh, almost without exception, you know. Now, one pastor was pretty good, but then he said, Hey, uh, uh, we talked with him and his wife, and he said, well, we've been pastors for 23 years. Honey, honey, what do you think? Well, I've hated it every day. 23 years as a pastor's wife, she's hated it every day. That's tough right there. You should love it. If that's what you're called to do, you should love it. Amen? Uh, and, and, you know, look, uh, I know things happen, and people were unkind to her, and I knew some of the history there, but uh, you ever had anybody say anything unkind to you at work? You quit your job. I ain't working there. Someone said something mean to me. No, you wouldn't quit your job for nothing. You know, you'd probably go out and slash your tires or something. Get back. I'll hit you. You know, uh, I mean, but you wouldn't quit your job. No. But a lot of times, people in the ministry, you know, people are unkind to them, and and for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's been my observation that people can be really unkind to ministers. You know, I've, it, I've experienced it many times where people are just so unkind, and uh, and you know, ministers are here to help, and, uh, but. You know, for whatever reason, and it's always the Bible scholars that are always the, the, yeah. the toughest people, right? People who think they know everything, right? Uh, and uh, they're always the toughest ones to deal with. 
uh, because they already know. So if you already know everything, then, then there's nothing for me to do anyway in your life. So, uh, but, uh, but he said that we should not be unwise, but we should understand what the will of the Lord is. So, uh, so here, here's the issue then in, in the New Testament. If the New Testament says we should know and we can know the will of God, uh, then what are you going to be measured on in, in this life? What did Jesus say to the, the men with the talents? Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. Faithful to do what? To do his will, right? So, so you're going to be measured only on your faithfulness, right? You're not going to be measured on your success, right? You're not going to be measured on how many people uh, that, that uh, you brought to the Lord, for example. Because like Billy Graham, how many people you reckon he brought to the Lord? I mean, millions, right? I mean, maybe trillions. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot, right? Whatever it is, it's a lot. Uh, will any of us ever achieve that? More than likely, at the same level that, that, uh, that uh, uh, Brother Graham did? Probably not, right? I mean, you know, well, you know, you don't say that. Okay, whatever. Maybe you're going to have a, a million, you know, uh, millions of people in stadiums tomorrow, right? But more than likely, if you're sitting here in Dayton, Tennessee, you're probably not going to ha- end up with 100,000 people in a Coliseum tomorrow. And you'd have to do that hundreds of times, thousands of times, right, to catch up to to Billy Garrett, right? We're already behind. Every one of us are behind because I think he started when he was three, right? Uh, but, uh, but does that mean that you're going to be measured differently than, than uh, Billy Graham was? No, because that was his call, right? That's what he, that was the will of God for his life, to go do that. He was anointed to do that. He was called to do that. Uh, and so, but there may be, you know, there may be three people the Lord's got planned for your life. You know, hopefully it's more, but there may be three people he's got planned for you to talk to in your life to get born again. Well, I ain't, I ain't doing it. Well, if you just miss one, you're already 33% behind, right? Uh, and so, uh, so it's, not about, it's not about the scale or, or the measure, the natural measure of your success. It's were you faithful to do what the Lord has asked you to do? And really, that's it. When you get to heaven, he's just going to, did you do what I asked you to do? That's all he's going to ask you. He's not going to ask you about, you know, uh, uh, what, was your, what were your results at that last meeting? Well, Lord, we had, you know, three conversions. Ah, should have been four. You know, you failed. Should have been four. Uh, I mean, he may talk to you about sp- uh, some specific things that you, that you missed God on, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, did you do what I asked you to do? Well, Lord, you know, how, there's no way I can know what you want me to do. And he'll, he'll quote Colossians 1.9. He'll quote Ephesians 5.17. You know, he'll quote uh, the Old Testament that the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered, and the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Uh, I mean, that, that's even in the Old Testament, right? So if the steps of a, of a good man are ordered of the Lord, then you can know what the steps you should take are, right? Yes. Isn't he a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path? Yes. I think isn't that our logo out there, right? Lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So that means that the, he will show you where to go and show you what to do. So our job on, the, on this earth then uh, needs to, to desire to know the will of God and to execute the will of God. And, uh, you know, some people think, for some reason, now let's turn to the book of Hebrews. You know, that, that seems to be really hard for some, time, for some people because they think, well, the Lord's going to, you know, make me become a minister. That's not necessarily so. He's going to do whatever he's called you to do. You know, there's plenty of people who, are, who the Lord's intent is, I need you to work a secular job. There's people on that job that I need you to talk to. There's money that's be made in that secular job to care for your family and give to the work of the Lord. And that's my, that's my desire for you. I want you to be a help to the church. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. 
and, and then maybe something that, that's, you never stand behind a pulpit. Uh, you know, most people don't stand behind a pulpit. Amen? I mean, mo- you know, some people do, but most people won't. Uh, that that's, doesn't make the pulpit people more important than the non-pulpit people, right? I mean, aren't we all servants of the Most High God? We're all servants of God. Amen? Yes. We serve the Lord in our lane, in, in, in the lane that we're supposed to serve Him in. Uh, you know, I remember a story of a fellow that got saved, and then, uh, you know, a lot of zeal. Of course, a lot of times people get saved with a lot of zeal. And then he started getting under pressure and he backslid. And he backslid from the Lord for decades, like 30 years. Finally came back to the Lord. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was telling somebody that uh, the reason he backslid was because um, he was afraid that the Lord was going to send him as a missionary to Africa. I mean, that's really very specific fear, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Why not, you know, Lord, don't send me to Australia, right? I mean, you know, uh, why Africa? I mean, why that particular place, right? Well, I've heard stories, you know. Uh, and so, but the Lord spoke to him and said, I never wanted you to go to Africa. He said, I just wanted you to be willing to go to Africa. Uh, see, for the Lord was never intended for him to go to, to Africa, right? It's like Brother Randy, I call him every now and then and say, hey, you know, you want to go to Africa with me? No, I don't want to, you know. Uh, I'm going. You want to go? No, I don't want to go. Uh, and uh, you need to go. Uh, and so... But the Lord never put it on his heart to go to Africa, right? That doesn't mean, well, is, well then nobody should go, right? I mean, somebody should go. Somebody should go everywhere, right? Uh, and so, uh, so here in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, uh, let's read here in, uh, in verse 7. Uh, he says, uh, this is, so this is, this is talking about the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, and so, uh, in fact, it says in verse 5, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, so this is Jesus speaking, right? Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do what? Thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and an offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein which are offered by the law. And then again, he repeats it himself in verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. So when Jesus came, what did Jesus come to do? It says right there, he came to do the will of God, right? That's what he came to do. He didn't come to go to the cross. He didn't come to shed blood. He didn't come to die. He came to do the will of God, which included all those things. But see, a lot of times, Lord, I want to do whatever you want me to do. Okay, well, how about this? Well, not that, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, well, how about that? Not, not that, Lord. See, that's not the right attitude. No. Our attitude needs to be the same attitude as the Lord Jesus. Lord, I, came, I come to do your will. Whatever you want me to do, no problem, right? Uh, and, you know, and it's always funny when people do that, right? Uh, we were talking uh, one day about helping in the church, and I was just encouraging people, like, look, if you're not doing it in church, you know, ask the pastor, maybe there's something that, that you know, you can help them do at the church, right? Uh, at any church, right? Or church, you, you should be a help to the church, right? Because uh, hasn't God given you gifts and talents that, that would be valuable to any group that you're part of? Amen. Uh, and so this person came up and said, uh, Pastor, anything you do, I, you know, anything you need me to do, I, I'll be glad to do it. You know, and of course, you know, we're, we're a fairly small church. There's not a lot of things we need done, right? I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, we've got a thousand people and, you know, well, we've got widows over here we're taking care of and orphans over here we're taking care of. You know, uh, as the church grows, those things will happen and we'll have more things that need to get done. So there's not a lot of things that need to get done right now. I said, well, you know, 
the baseboards in the kitchen need to be cleaned because the, the lady who was cleaning it had a hard time getting down and cleaning those, right? And so that's probably 10 or 15 minutes of work, right? She said, well, I don't do that. And I walked away. <laughs> well, I thought you said whatever. You know, last time I checked, whatever means whatever, right? Whatever you want me to do. Okay, how about that? Well, not that. <laughs> so, okay, no problem, right? And so, uh, but uh, I always think it's funny. When, whatever you want me to do. Okay, well, how about, you know, uh, can you make me a ham sandwich? Well, not that, you know. Uh, and, and so, is that what Jesus said? I came to do thy will, O God. Well, go talk to the Pharisees. Well, I'm not doing that. Well, go talk to the Herodians. Have you seen them, Lord? They're mean. I don't want to go do that. Uh, is that what Jesus did? No, so, so we know, I mean, you can, you can infer from, from the life of Jesus that every single thing Jesus did was the will of God. Yes. Amen? So and that's, and that's why one reason why he came is to do thy will of God, to, to express and to show the will of God to the, to the world. So how many people did Jesus ever make sick? None. So is it the will of God to make, Jesus, make people sick? Well, no, he came to do the will. You think at least one person, you know, just at least one to, to show that he wants people to be sick sometimes. Uh, and so, you no, know, he came, uh, he came to do the will of God. And, and for me, you know, getting to this level of understanding about the will of God and, and, and knowing this, to me, this, this will make your life, if you want an easy life where it's not just, uh, you know, what in the world's going on? You, you know, people just live every day, is just disaster and, and turmoil and confusion. And they never know what up from down and left from right. And, yeah. Because uh, they're not in the will of God. They're just living their own life, right? And, and the easiest, you want the easiest life in the world? Easiest life in the world? Elevate the value of the will of God in your life to be the most important thing. Mm. If, you, if you will elevate the will of God, Lord, more than anything else, I want to do your will. More than my job, more than anything else, I want to do your will. Uh, and, and see, if you'll do that, your life actually becomes easy because then, then all you have to do is just do what you're told. Yeah. Wouldn't that be pretty easy? Yeah. Uh, just do what you're told. Yeah. And then don't you want to be just, well, I want to do what I want to do. Well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. It'll never work out whether you, I want to do what I want to do. And I know people just will fight it decades after decades. I want to do what I want to do. And they're just miserable people, ha- unhappy people, full of disaster and conflict in their life all the time. Yeah. And they just don't want to give it up. And like, but the Lord loves you. He, he will bless you and be good to you if you follow his will. I think Jesus did okay for himself, don't, don't you? Yeah, it, I mean, the people of the Bible did okay for themselves when they followed the will of God. Every single time, I mean, when Israel was in the perfect will of God, they couldn't be defeated. I mean, a, a million-person army come up to them, and they'd just go, boo, and they'd all die, right? And, <laughs> in the will of God. Uh, I mean, that, that, and that's, that, wouldn't that be a nice way to live? Where just everything was just taken care of, right? Many afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord does what? Delivers, Delivers them out of how many? Oh, but that's only true in the will of God, yeah. right? If you're living in the will of God. If you're not living in the will of God, well, then, you know, whatever, right? Uh, but some people just, they'll just fight it and they, they don't want to do the will of God. And, and um, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand as a child of God, didn't you say when you got born again that you confess him as what? As Lord, right? And, you know, I believe uh, when we do that, in fact, let's just turn to, to Romans because I think it'd be good just to read those scriptures there. Um, in, in Romans 10 and I know we know these verses but I think it's good in the context of this to read these in Romans 10 uh, verse 9 it says 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, so that's talking about the faith that, that he, that, uh, well, that's not the faith there, the second part's faith, uh, that confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So saying that God raised Jesus from the dead is the faith that, uh, that God did what he said he did, right? But the first part of that, that you confess him as Lord, what does the word Lord mean? Boss, right? Chief in charge of your life, right? The one who rules and reigns in your life. The one who dictates to you what you should do in your life. So that's a requirement to get born again. That not just believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, but now to confess him as now he is now in charge of your life. See, it has to be an act of your will, right? You have to choose to take your will and now yield it to somebody else in your life. And the only person you should do that to is, is God the Father. Amen? Uh, and, and confess with specifically Jesus as your Lord, right? Uh, so if he's your Lord, then what should you should pursue all the days of your life? So you just do the will of God, right? And, and what I have found in my life, uh, you know, I'm not perfect in this, but what I have found in my life, if I'll just do the will of God, I'm always happy. Always happy. Everything is good, right? I know, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I didn't know the Lord, but there was always a tug in my heart to know him. You know, first grade, second grade, I was praying to God. Never went to church, you know, didn't go to church. You know, we were Catholics by name only. You know, we had a lot of kids, so we had that part, you know, taken care of, being, having a lot of kids, right? But, uh, you know, we had 11 kids in our family, so we didn't... You, you know where you go when you got 11 kids? You don't go anywhere. Right? We never went anywhere, never did anything, right? Never went out to eat, never went on vacation. You know, we'd stayed home and, and fought, right? That's what we did. That was our entertainment. Uh, and so eventually I got, uh, uh, the Lord drew me. I mean, all my life he was drawing me to him. He, but he does that for everybody. I'm not unusual in that. He draws all of us, right? He will draw all men unto him. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And he's still doing that today. He's still drawing all men unto him. Uh, and so uh, at some point I did get saved, right, uh, and got born again. Uh, and uh, from that point till now, then I've desired to do the will of God. Uh, and um, but even from the day I got born again, I knew someday I'd be in the ministry. I didn't know how to do that. I don't know. You know, I, I, you know, if you knew my 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 how I was raised, having a vision for anything beyond existence was unusual. I never thought about going to college, never thought about, you know, I thought I'm going to graduate high school, I'll get a job. Nothing wrong with graduating high school, getting a job, but that, that's as far as I could ever see. I could never see beyond that. Well, once I got saved, then my vision started expanding, right? Then, uh, then I thought, well, I can go to college. And I ended up going to college, and, uh, and um, the Lord helped, you know, financially took care of all of that. You know, that's another discussion uh, at some point in time. But, uh, but still, even being in the ministry, it was so... You know, I, I would watch, like, because uh, you're required as a, as a young charismatic to watch Brother Copeland on TV, right? And we all would watch Brother Copeland, and, and he was awesome, right? And I'm thinking, but how, how do you get there? I mean, it, it seems so far. I mean, so it seemed like, like going to the moon, right? I mean, people go to the moon, but are you going to go to the moon? Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go to the moon. You're going to go to the moon? I'd love to go to the moon. I keep trying to find out, you know, they taking, you know, uh, uh, job openings for pastors on the moon. You know, I mean, if you find out I'm gone tomorrow, it's probably because they had to open up a church and needed a pastor, right? And I'd go to the, tomorrow, I'd go to the moon, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, if it's the will of God, of course, right? Uh, but if it was, I'm on the next flight, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Musk signed me up, right? Uh, but, but I didn't know how to, you know, getting there. See, see, I knew it was there, but I didn't know how to, 
I, I didn't have the, the understanding, right? I wasn't filled with it about how to do it. Uh, and so, you know, I was a little slow. Uh, and that's okay. You know, the Lord's not going to be upset about it. Moses was, took him 40 years to find the will of God, right? He was 80 years old when he started his ministry. I'm already way ahead of him. So, um, you know, it's okay. Uh, but eventually, you know, I uh, found the will of God and, and um, uh, you know, a lot of things happened. But uh, we started the church in, in 2008. And, uh, but I was still, still working full time at that point in time. But, and I told the Lord the way I would tell the Lord uh, is, Lord, right now I'm working in this job. I would, I would park far away, the farthest spot I, could, spot I could find in the parking lot. And I would talk to the Lord on the way to the office. And I would say, Lord, uh, if you want me to work this job the rest of my life, I'll work this job the rest of my life. Because my goal was to do his will. And, you know, if it was necessary, Paul was a tent maker, right? Sometimes you've got to work in order to, to, to fulfill uh, the will of God in your life because, you know, if you've got uh, nobody in your church, then it's hard to, for them to pay for you to be a pastor, right? And so as a church grows, you know, fine. But, um, but it, see, I can't put a requirement on the Lord. Well, Lord, before I pastor a church, you've got to have this salary right here and these benefits right here and this, you know, this car and this house and this church or whatever. That's, that's not, I don't make demands on the, on the Lord about that. You know, take care of me however you want to, Lord, is fine. But I, Lord, uh, if you want me to work this job the rest of my life, I'll work it. No problem. Uh, and then one day, uh, just, you know, in prayer, he said, it's time, time for you to go. Now, I love being an engineer. I was an engineer, I was a manager of engineers and, and uh, loved the work that I did. Had great people that worked for me, great people I worked with. Uh, you know, and I've always been a technical person. Love that kind of world, you know, and enjoy that uh, world. You know, some people don't like it, but, you know, I, I did. I love being an engineer. Uh, and, but the Lord said, it's time to go. I, uh, I mean, that day I wrote my, my resignation letter. Uh, talked to my wife about it, and she, of course she was good. I walked away, walked away from that world, you know. Uh, and, and, and got no problems with it. Amen. Uh, but see, a lot of times what happens is you love doing something and you won't give it up. But see, there's better out there. There's more out there, right? It's not that I didn't give anything up. I gained the will of God. People think they're losing by following the will of God. You never lose following the will of God. All your blessings will come on the backside of obedience, right? Everything that you do will come after obedience. All the blessings you get from the Lord will come after some point of obedience in your life. Uh, the first obedient thing that you do is to get saved, right? To get born again. Uh, all the blessings after that will come as a result of that as you follow the will of God. Uh, and let, let's look at uh, one more verse here. We're in Romans chapter 10. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 12. Uh, and he says here in um, uh, verse 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So uh, he said a living sacrifice, right? So some people actually try to bring harm to their bodies, which becomes devilish, right? Uh, this living sacrifice. In other words, Lord, my body, the physical body that you gave me on this earth is here as a vessel for me to accomplish your will in the, in the earth. That's what it's talking about, being a living sacrifice, that I, I sacrifice it to you, Lord, to do with, do, do with it as you please. Uh, and uh, it's not really, you shouldn't be taking any, any more than that. He said, it's reasonable for you to do that. Is it reasonable for you to do that? Well, it is reasonable because who made you? The Lord did. Who, who saved you? Who provided a place for you in heaven for all eternity? Well, the Lord did, right? So is it reasonable for us to serve him? 
Sure, again, doesn't mean that you've got to, well, I've got to give up, you know, my flower garden. The Lord never said that you've got to give up your flower garden. If you love planting flowers, praise God, plant flowers, you know. It's not like you've got to, you know, some people have the martyr syndrome. And they think that unless my life is horrible and terrible and everything is bad, that I must not be a servant of God. That's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard, right? Because uh, the, the, he said that, uh, in fact, he said, didn't he say in John 15, to ask, ask for certain things, that your joy may be what? Full. If your joy is full, then, then how could you not enjoy your life, yeah, right? That's right? I mean, you can, if, if part of your joy being full is, uh, is planting a garden, you know, and, and, and doing those things, then that's great, great, right? Some people like planting gardens, you know. Johnny loves planting gardens, you know. I'm glad that somebody else likes planting gardens, right? <laughs> Uh, he loves it. I'm glad he loves it because I wouldn't love it, right? Weeds. And, I mean, uh, why are the weeds coming up, right? You know, uh, I was the youngest, so my job when we had a garden was to get the rocks out of the out of the garden every year, right? We'd till the till the ground up, and I'd get all the rocks, and I thought I'm going to get the rocks out. They'll never see another rock again. Next year, be more rocks. Uh, where'd they come from? And we we got and they, there were no rocks. You know, there were no rocks in that garden last year. Now there's some, all these rocks, and I always thought there was a neighbor's doing it right you know i didn't understand how the ground works but you know i'm only eight right so don't give me a hard time but but um uh but you know i thought uh, and so since then i've been ruined on on um and then after that after the plants grew then i had to pick the bugs off the plants right we put them in little coffee cans and we'd burn them i don't know why you burn i mean that's what we did though we'd get all the bugs we put them in a can we put uh kerosene or something in it and we'd burn it it's just really, I mean, it's really intense, right? I mean, it's, I mean, we really hated bugs, I guess. You know, we really did, you know, these bugs will die, you know, horrible death, right? Uh, and so, uh, but what's, what's that? Olive oil. <laughs> Olive oil, huh? Yeah, there you go. Uh, but your, your reasonable service is to do the will of God. See, he's not, it, people have these, this mindset that if you follow God closely, you're going to have a horrible life, no fun, don't enjoy anything. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Who made you? God made you. What talents has he given you? Whatever talents you've got, they were given to you by God. You ever seen people with talent, real talent? It's not they, they don't learn that. It's given to them. Now, they can develop it. They can enhance it. They can perfect it. But it was God-given. You know, my wife is a singer and musician. She does all those things. I took piano lessons for a whole year, right? You're required by law. Everybody has to take piano lessons for a year once in your life, right? Whole year. I didn't know any more piano after, after a year than I did beginning of the year, right? Well, I can't teach anybody piano. Yeah, you know, you can't teach me to piano, play the piano, right? Because I'm, think, I'm thinking math, right? I'm thinking, well, how, you know, how did you decide it was that key? What's wrong with this key? You know, they were just, you know, because that's the way I think. Now, that's not the way mu- music teachers think, right? That's not the way they think. That's the way I think, right? Why'd you pick that key? What's wrong with this one, right? And, 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 and how do you know that one goes with this one? I know, I know they sound like they go together, but how'd you figure that out? And, of course, they didn't really have all those answers, so maybe I was a terrible student. But, uh, but, uh, but that's, you know, that's just some people have got those talents and abilities, right? Some people can do math. You know, you do math, and, and uh, it just, it's, it's just like, uh, it's like breathing air. No problem, right? And other people, they struggle with, with one plus one. Well, who said it was two? Why do you know it's two? I think it's a conspiracy, you know. <laughs> it could be three. We just don't know, right? <laughs> And so they have no faith in numbers, right? But then other people's like, oh, of course it is, you know? And, and so, but that's their talent and ability. Yeah. And we need that. Don't we need each other? Yeah. See, see, sometimes in a church, we try, to, we try to say that your differences make you less than me, right? If you're different than me, you're less than me. 
Uh, and we, and unless you're just like me, unless you're, you know, reading, you know, when I got saved, see, when I got saved when I was 15, I bought a Vines Dictionary. I bought a Strong's Concordance. I bought a, a Greek-English uh, 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 lexicon. lexicon there. Uh, and, and I thought everybody did that. Did you buy a, a, a Vines Dictionary when you was 15 years old? I just thought everybody did that, you know, and I didn't know people didn't do that. And people said, you, you're really special. I'm like, what do you mean? Is that what you're supposed to do, right? I'm looking up Strong's numbers, right? And looking up all these, you know, got the thousand-page book, you know, it's like, and you always, you always uh, uh, got disappointed when you looked up a word in, in Strong's and it had uh, 20 references, right? You want the, verse, the word that only had two references, because so, then you've got to go to your Bible and look up all those references, right? When you get the, and then you get the faith. It's got 200 references or whatever it is. Like, oh. Then you've got to take all those references, look them up, and you know, flip all the... Now it's all computers. No, no big deal, right? But, uh, but back then, you know, and I just assumed everybody did that, right? A Knave's Topical Bible. Did you all buy a Knave's Topical Bible? I had one of those, right? Blue. It's got a big blue cover on it. Uh, and so... Uh, but that, that's, that's what we're called to do, right? If that's what you're called to do, See, then that's okay, right? Uh, Whatever you're called to do, there should be fullness of joy in that. I love being a pastor. I love being a minister of the gospel. I just, it just, it does, I love it. If I had to do something else, I wouldn't love it, right? Uh, Because that's what I'm called to do. Uh, And and it should be okay that you love to do what God's called you to do. Amen. Now, there are things about it that you don't always like to do. You know, sometimes you got to talk to people that, that are being, you know, unruly and you got to kind of jerk some slack out of them and and those are never fun conversations because you know most often more often than not people don't receive it but you still got to do it right and sometimes if they're unruly uh and if they were smart they would receive it but you know uh, everybody's not that smart right and so but he said it's your reasonable service it's okay right whatever you're called to do be the very best at it amen and enjoy it thoroughly uh, and he said in verse two, and be not conformed to this world. Uh, well, I mean, we could talk a lot about that right there and do a lot of meddling, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So uh, you're never going to prove what the will of God is by looking to the world as your inspiration. And many times in the church, we're always looking at the world. Well, we don't want to be like them, right? We want to be cool and hip like them. And, you know, when we were doing the design for the uh, for the church here they had a picture of you know kind of how the stage was going to look uh, and they had a, a minister on there uh, well i guess his minister behind a podium and they were you know had khakis on and just you know no ties suit or anything like that i said do i have to dress like a 30 year old too if we if we change the sanctuary because that's not me right i'm not uh, you know i'm not going to dress like a 30 year old and uh, and change everything up it's just uh, and some people don't like it that i wear a tie or a suit i think that's the dumbest thing in the world you know what why would you care? What, what matters is what's being said from the pulpit, not what color tie I've got, you know. Uh, but people get, they get all bent out of shape because it puts them under pressure. Well, that's not my fault. It's your fault. If, you, if you're going under pressure for what you wear, have you know, I ever told you what, what you should all wear other than just being modest, you know, other than the basics, you know, don't come in going, you know, and we do this right here, right? But, you know, we went to, we'd go to California sometimes for some, for some ministers meeting out there. And, you know, people, they just dress different, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, some of the women wear clothes that, you know, you kind of have to do this at, you know, and, and you know, hi, how you doing, you know, and, uh, and, but that's kind of their culture and some of those groups over there that they don't think anything about it, right? And, and so, uh, but, you know, uh, what's the will of God, right? He said, 
he said, don't be conformed to this world. Uh, I want to I do what I want to do. Well, that's what the world says. Amen. I want to do what I want to do. Uh, and um, um, uh, he said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're going to live in the will of God, then you've got to get your mind straightened up. And, and, that's, uh, and that's one of the hardest things for Christians to do is get their mind straightened up. In fact, I think one of these days we're going to go back and talk about how to, how to live with a, with a um, well, there's a lot of things about the, how to have a, a biblical mental health, you know, uh, and there's a lot about that. The Bible actually says a lot about biblical mental health. And the world tells you to take Xanax or whatever, not Xanax, but what's a, uh, what's a common mental health? Uh, I don't know what they are. I'm not up on my medicine there, right? But uh, uh, I mean, and if, look, if you've got to do that to, to, to get some stability, I've got no problem with that at all, right? I've got no problem with people taking medicine. Uh, but that's the world's way to fix things. The Bible way to fix things is to have your mind renewed. Amen. And the biggest struggle that you will have in your life more than likely is going to be getting your mind renewed to think like God thinks about you, right? To think like God thinks about you and about the people around you. See, I think when I think about me, I think the way the Lord thinks about me. I'm a child of God. A king died for me. Blood was shed on my behalf. That's what I think about me. I don't think I'm wonderful and awesome, and you know I am wonderful and awesome, but I, I don't think of it. But I think the Lord died for me; yes. He saved me. See, that keeps me because uh, when because a lot of times people will tell me you're the worst, mm. you're a sorry no count individual. You're the I mean I had someone you're a terrible pastor, right? Uh, and, and in fact, they knew they knew because I've been called to be a teacher from the day I got born right, in the earth, right? And they said, well, you're a terrible teacher. Well, who, who would know the worst thing to say to somebody? That'd be the devil, right? You know, because he said, you know, I don't like your shoes. You know, fine. I mean, you know, kind of lame. I mean, it's just shoes, right? But, but to say I'm a terrible teacher would, would try to get to the heart of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so that just sounds like the devil would say something like that, right? God would never say that. You're a terrible teacher. Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, so people are used by the devil. Now, the church people, right? Uh, I mean, the, the most unkind things I've ever had done to me or said to me has been from church people, right? You ever had that experience? I mean, uh, how many people don't go to church because somebody else at church was mean? Get over it. It's going to happen. It's unfortunate. But somehow, church people have the ability to be the meanest people in the world. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it's, it's, it's a terrible blight on the church, I believe. But you, you think you're going to keep me from going to church and feeling God? You know, no way. People, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites in church. Well, don't, don't show up because there would be one more, right? Uh, and so uh, that's the lamest excuse I've ever heard, right? Uh, it just, uh, I don't go to church because there's, you know, well, you don't quit your job because someone was mean to you at your job, right? You don't quit eating because there was a bug in your food one time. I mean, people just, they're just looking for an excuse not to do the will of God. But here's the thing. Remember, well done thou what? Good and faithful servant. You think when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to say, you're right. They were mean to you, so you didn't have to do any of my will all your life. I'll just wipe it. You didn't, you're good. You think he's going to be okay with that? You think he's going to be okay with you not doing his will because somebody was mean to you? I mean, Paul had an entire country forsake him. Didn't he say that, right? My countrymen have forsaken me. Jesus had the whole world forsake him. Mm-hmm. Was he mad? I ain't doing no savior stuff. You let somebody else do it, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, he didn't do that, right? People do all the time at church. It's like, you know, whatever. Such a boring excuse not to go to church. And it's not even interesting anymore, right? It's like, whatever. I talked to one fellow one time. He goes, yeah, I used to go to church and something happened. He's so hard to go back to church. 
I said, no, it's not. You just go. And you look at me like, well, well yeah, you're right. But you just go, right? I mean, how hard does it go? You just, don't you go to the grocery store every day, right? Not every day, but don't you go to the gas station and work? And uh, don't you go to the kitchen every day, right? Like, oh, it's so much work. Oh. You just go. You don't even think about it. You just go, right? So people make all kinds of excuses to not do the will of God. But the problem is when they get to heaven, you think Jesus will give you a buy on that? You think, he, oh, you're right. It was hard. Getting in that car I gave you, driving down that road I made for you, going to the building I put there for you, listening to that pastor that I called from before the foundation of the world for you. Yeah, that was really hard, right? And, and so, <laughs> now we're really meddling right now, right? Yeah, I'm going to meddle some more, right? And so, but see, uh, my gravest concern for people's lives is when people are not doing the will of God, because that will be the costliest thing that you will ever do in your life, is not to do the will of God. Nothing else matters in this earth except for the will of God. And it's so big in my life that, that if I could just compel people to just do his will, whatever the cost, you'll be okay. Because people just will not do the will of God. And they think that, that the Lord Jesus will give them a buy because of their excuse. And he won't. He's the great master in heaven. He's provided you with the greatest power of the universe living in inside of you. He's given you the word. He paid dearly to, give, to, to carry his word through these centuries to provide you with his will in printed form, uh, and he's given you everything you need to be successful and to do his will of God, do his will without failure. He's given you everything to, to be able to do that, and yet we still will choose not to do it. And that would be the worst mistake you will ever make in your life. Uh, what I would encourage you is whatever the cost, no matter how painful you think it is to do the will of God, you should do the will of God because it will always be better after, afterwards, amen? You'll always be better off doing it than not doing it. And people, you know, will come up with some hypothetical, well, I did it once and it didn't work out for me. I don't believe it a bit. I don't, you know, just an excuse. Now, every time I've done the will of God, it's always worked out for me perfectly fine. Left job, I can't tell you oh, how many things I've left because of the will of God in my life. Uh, and sometimes you've got to walk away from people. Sometimes, you know, when, when we, uh, we'll talk some more about this, we're about out of time today, but we'll talk a little bit about how, you know, just some examples about how uh, we decided to get married and how we decided to, to start the church and how we decided to move the church from where it was to here and, you know, different things. That's the will of God. How do you find that out? How do you get filled with the real knowledge of his will, right? How do you know that? Because you need to be able to have confidence that whatever you're doing to the best of your knowledge is the will of God and be sincere and honest about that, right? People say, I'm, I'm doing the will of God. Uh, no, you're violating his word. So you clearly are not doing his, his will. You're just doing what you want to do. So number one is, what's the word of God say? Amen. The word of God will always give you a baseline to start with from there. Uh, and if you follow that, then it'll make it easy for you to follow his spirit to find out the specifics for your life. Amen. Amen. So can you be filled with the knowledge of his will? Yes. Absolutely. You can be filled with the knowledge of his will. In fact, does he require it of you in according to Ephesians 5.17 to be not unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Yes. Right. So, so it's there. Right. And then, of course, Romans tells us that, that uh, we can prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And that kind of implies that there's kind of levels of the will of God that you can be in, right? You can be ultimately perfect will of God, but sometimes you may only be in the good and, the, and acceptable, right? You might be doing some things in his, in his will, but you just don't want to give up that. Uh, and uh, we'll talk some more about that next week. But if you remember in the Old Testament, how many times did it say, and this king was really good, but he did not get rid of the high places? Oh, yeah. right. Remember all the... the, all the Places where they did pagan worship, king after king, they did they you know they followed after God, but they would not get rid of the high places. 
because that would make people mad at you, right? If you got rid of where they were doing pagan worship. So a lot of kings didn't have the backbone to do that. Uh, and so they were not in the perfect will of God. They knew they should have got rid of it, but they just didn't have the, the unction or the, the uh, not the unction, but the, the gumption to do it, right? Uh, they didn't have the backbone to do it. Uh, but if you follow the will of God, there's always blessing and peace in the will of God. Amen. Uh, and some people think following the will of God makes, is making everybody around you mad all the time. <laughs> That's not, if all you do is make everybody mad at you all the time, you're probably not in the will of God, right? You're probably just like sticking your thumb in people's eyeballs, right? But, uh, and there's people like that who seem like their goal in life is only to make you mad, right? <clears throat> when, maybe when they say so, grow up, right? But, uh, so what, what's the value of following his will? That's all you're going to be uh, uh, measured on when you get to heaven, right? Did you do what I asked you to do? <clears throat> and, and that's it, right? That, that, so that makes it really easy in one sense. But, it, but if, you're, if your flesh isn't there today, that'll be a big struggle to get to that point. Once you get to that point, pretty easy. You're cruising along, cruise control. Lord, you want me to get off this exit? Nope. Okay, we'll keep on going, right? No problem. Uh, but uh, sometimes transitioning to that point wherever you are to, to elevating the value of the will of God in your life beyond everything else uh, sometimes can be a little tough, amen, uh, on your flesh. Never tough in your spirit, man, but tough in your flesh, right? Uh, well, I ain't doing that. Fine, you know, I won't lose a wink of sleep, not even wink, right? I'll sleep well every night, amen? Uh, but, um, in fact, I do sleep well every night, right? Amen. Being the will of God, you sleep well every night, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you uh, that it is your desire that we know your will for our lives. Father, be filled full, compacted, Father, with your will, that we know every step that we can take, Father, what we should do. And Lord, if you ever instruct us to do anything, we'll be quick to do that, Father, to yield to your will. And Father, we thank you that you do that by your spirit, not by things we observe in the natural realm. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, we've got a, a few more things we'll talk about this area because now, for me, uh, and let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. For me, this, this is one of the most important messages you can, you can hear in your life is finding the will of God and executing the will of God to the best of your ability. Because, look, if you're not perfect, it's not about perfection. It's, not a, it's about what your goal and desires are, right? I mean, the Lord, even for centuries, called David a man after God's own heart. Was David perfect with the Lord? He did plenty of things wrong. Uh, but he still always desired to do the will of God. Amen. Uh, even when he messed up, he would repent. Amen. Uh, and so uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive this morning's offering. And, uh, and I was going to tell our Facebook friends, too, you know, if uh, I was thinking about this the other day, if you want to participate in giving to the ministry, there's a link on our website there. You can follow that and do it that way. Uh, because if you wanted to participate, you know, you're willing to do, you're, you're obviously uh, welcome to do that. Uh, not my business of what you do in that. It's between you and the Lord Jesus. Uh, but I want you to make sure that you're aware that you can do that online. You can click on, go to our website. You can click on the buttons there. Uh, and uh, it's all secure, and um, you can do it that way. If you want to send us small unmarked bills, you know, cash, you know, that's fine too. I don't, you know, that's between you and the Lord, right? So none of my business, but... Um, all right. Well, you all have a wonderful week in the Lord. Don't forget, we have healing school today at three o'clock and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday, right? Or see you at the healing school.